there's always something going on in our lives that makes us put aside the things that are so important. And we get so buried sometimes with all, a lot of little bitty things, little bitty stuff. And um, sometimes God has to ring our bell to get us to, to realize, hey, there's something more important. You didn't lost focus. You, you're, not, you're not honed in like you ought to be. So this is what he says. Concerning what is your life? Look what he says. It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanishes away. That's us. Compared to eternity, we are just a little vapor, just a breath. We're just here not very long, and then we're gone. You know, it wasn't too long ago that I was running around barefooted in the backwoods of Georgia, wearing my overalls, no shirt, no shoes, no socks, barefooted, running all over the place. And all of a sudden, Seventy years has passed. And you think, where in the world did the time go? Where's it gone? I was talking to Dr. Paulson, I think, yesterday. I said, you realize in eight years, just little old bitty eight years, just little old bitty eight years, I'll be 81 years old. Now, don't that blow your mind? If it doesn't bother you, it does mine. I'm going to be an old man soon. Don't you even say it. <laughs> Remember, respect your elders. But we're, we're changing. We're always changing. We're, get, we're getting older and all. Now take your Bible and turn all the way back here to the 90th Psalm. The 90th Psalm. And I told you all this before. A lot of times when I do a, a funeral, I love to read the 90th Psalm because there's a, a one main verse that I like in this whole 90th Psalm. I mean, the whole thing's good, but there's one verse that really sticks out to me. And I want you to look at that verse 12. Teach us. See that verse 12? Teach us. So teach us to do what? To number our days. How do you number your days? I don't know how many days I'm going to have. You know, it didn't say number your years. Number your days. You're not going to be here long. We're going to be moving out one of these days. Anybody ever heard that song? Some glad morning when this life is o'er, I'll lie away. Well, let's see there in verse 10, last part of verse 10. For it is soon cut off and we, we what? We fly away. Now, don't that sound good? One of these days, I'm going to fly out of here. I was listening to the radio the other day and coming over here to the church. and They had a song on there, and you could tell it was, you know, some colored folks were singing the song. And it was, Swing down, sweet chariot, stop and let me rise. And it was just going on, and they were, you know, it, they're singing it, but there's about two or three other verses singing it all at the same time. And it was just, oh, it came out, it was great. And I, next thing you know, I had a foot pedal just to get heavier. You ever, you ever give it gas according to beat? And so I'm listening to this thing here, and I'm, I'm picturing this. Sweet chariot, stop and let me ride. Don't y'all sing it in the choir. I'm just saying it's just, I don't care. But I thought, wouldn't that be a way to go? 
coming down to get me in a big old chariot. And I wouldn't mind it if everybody saw me when I go. But, you know, the Bible says, and I believe that the, like Abraham was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. He was carried by the angels. So I got my guardian angels. They're going to say, finally, we got him. Let's get him out of here. And they're going to carry me away. I'm going to fly away. But when he says down here in verse 12, so teach us to number our days and look at the rest of it and to apply our hearts unto wisdom. Are we wise enough to do that? The reason we study the Bible because God wants you to know you don't have a lot of time. Get all the wisdom you can as quickly as you can. This is why kids that have been taught the Word of God from a child up, they have an advantage if they use it. But a lot of them don't even appreciate sometimes if they come from a Christian home or if they even went to a Christian school. Sometimes when they take all that knowledge, everything they learn, and as soon as they get old enough to get on their own, they go wild. You think they could have been so wise. They were given the tools by which to discern. And then they throw it all away. Wouldn't it be a shame for God to say, number your days and apply your hearts into wisdom. And you blow it. You throw it all away. You waste your whole life for a few small things here in this life that will not last. Nothing in this world will last. Why would you chase anything in this world and give up all that God has for a few little pleasures in this world when God has so much and it will be worth it all when we get to heaven? Look up here in verse 1. He says, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, however thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction, because all men have sinned, all men will die. All these bodies we have are going to be destroyed. These bodies cannot last. They're not meant to last. Or the ones that Adam and Eve got, if they hadn't ascended, they'd still be walking around here today. Wouldn't it be something? But he says in verse 3, saying, Return, ye children of men. So you see, God created us, and now death is a man returning to meet his maker. Death is a man returning to meet his maker. God made you. And you're going to die. You're going to be destroyed. And you can't stop it. And you don't know how much time you have. So God says, apply your hearts unto wisdom. Teach us to number our days. To see how important every day is. What's the value of every day? And so he says here in verse 4, Ye for a thousand years in thy sight, or but as yesterday, when it is past and as a watch in the night, thou carriest them away as with a flood, they are as a sleep. In the morning they are like grass, which groweth up. Now in the book of James it talks about this also, and how that we're just like grass, it grows up and the heat comes out and 
we're dead. So we're not going to last forever. It wasn't long before, since Tyler was just a cute little kid. Betty used to have him in her Sunday school class, I think. Maybe not, I don't remember. Did, did you ever have him in your class? Huh? You had Trent? Okay. But it wasn't long ago that he was a cute little kid. Now look at him. Now he's a big kid, not cute anymore. One of these days he's going to be a man. But he's changing, he's growing. You know, some people never make it that far. I've had funerals for little kids, and I've had funerals for teenagers. I've had funerals for big adults, and I've had, you know, really up there in age. And uh, it is so much better to do a funeral for somebody that you know has trusted Christ as Savior. One of the hardest struggles that I have is when you don't know, and nobody seems to know if that person had trusted Christ. Then you can't really say and so sometimes the preacher, you know, in order to comfort everybody and make everybody feel good, sometimes the preacher goes too far and says too many nice things about the person laying in the casket. And uh, this one preacher was up there and just bragging about what a wonderful husband he was, what a wonderful father he was. And so the mama sitting out there, she says, go up here and look at that casket and see if that's your daddy. Because <laughs> see. Somebody else might not see him the same way. But the days are short, and we're going to be out of here. So he says, a thousand years in his sight is like, like that. Now, that's a long time for us. But when you compare it to eternity, our lives are not very long. And so if a man is wise... And knowing that this is only the staging area, we're just getting ready, getting prepared for eternity. We're, we're just getting prepared to meet God. You see, none of us have seen him yet. We're just preparing to meet him. And I think you should want to do all that you can in every way that you can, for as long as you can, as diligently as you can, because you know you're going to see him soon. And as he says, be wise, understanding what the will of the Lord is redeeming the time, using your time that you have as fruitful as you possibly can. I was at the house today, and we saw somebody was moving in next door to it. I went in there, and I sat down, and I got my Bible out, and I sat there, and I read most of this afternoon. And uh, I sat there, and I read, and I study. I go back and forth and all over the place. Sometimes I just get caught up in it, and I can't. And the next thing, Betty will come in, she says, Yankee, Yankee. Huh? Oh, I don't fell asleep. You ever sit down and start reading? You just fall asleep. It just, it's, oh, it's a good sleep. Oh, it's a good sleep. And she came in the door. I says, I didn't even know you left. She'd gone next door and passed out about, what, 15 Spanish tracks. So she was out evangelizing while her, her mean old husband's in the house. They're just reading and studying. But it is. It's redeeming the time, taking advantage of an opportunity. But look what else he says here. In verse 5, Thou carriest them away as with a flood, they are as a sleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it's cut down and withereth. And you don't believe you're going to wither when you get old? You just look at the old folks. We start withering. And hair starts falling out. 
and uh, all kinds of things, hearing aid, you know, whatever. The body is going to die, and it's already starting to destroy itself. And sometimes you wonder, can, how long am I going to get? And, you know, years ago, just think about it when the founding of this country, when they didn't even have hospitals. You didn't even have to worry about Obamacare because nobody cared. There was no hospitals along the way, and they were in wagons going across, and, you know, there was not doctors everywhere. And it's amazing how they managed to live and survive. Of course, most of them didn't live past 35, but they, you know, kept plowing on. And uh, now we are, we're so concerned, so concerned. Get what he says here. When he says here in verse 7, For we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. Because of sin, we are in a sinful world. We're in a crooked and perverse generation in which those that know the Lord are to shine as children of light. So we have something, but it's temporary. It's temporary, our time here. And the time that we have, we got to watch it. We don't just blow it all. Just to waste our time. You've got to have some time that's noun time because the body can't go all the time. You've got to have some time that's a little rest and relaxation. And the Bible talks about that Jesus took his disciples and they went apart from the people for some rest and so on. And I was always told that if you don't come apart, you will come apart. So sometimes you have to come apart, get away, or you're going to come apart. You're going to lose it. And so you have to be very careful. Then look what he says here in verse 8. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. Do you think God sees not only the thing that everybody else sees, but he sees the sins of the mind. He sees everything. And there's no reason for God to let any man keep living because all have sinned. And the law says the soul that sinneth shall die, and so we all have to die. And then he makes this statement. Verse 9, for all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. It doesn't take long to tell a tale. It may take you 50 years to live it, but two or three minutes to tell it. And there, sometimes there's not many highlights in our life. You know one of the reasons that I, I do this, because I was always told when I was in Bible college, Ray Stanford always said it. He says, when I tell a joke, I tell it three or four times right away because every time I tell it, it puts a crease in your brain. And once you get the crease in there, it'll always be there. You know, it's like permapress. You put it in there. And he says, if you'll just do that, you can remember it better. Years down the road, you can remember them. So I started telling the joke. As soon as someone tells me something, I tell three or four people right away. Then I can remember that joke. But if I don't, it's gone. I can never recall and I've, I've heard it now. Oh, it was so funny. It was so good. But I can't remember it. Have you ever been there? It's gone. But you know it was good. You just can't recall it. You don't know where to find it in that little filing cabinet up here of yours. And so I found out if I tell my stories. So over the years, I have told a lot of stories. That now I don't have to work at remembering them. I can remember so many stories, and my life has been full of a lot of stories because I, I love stories, and I find out that people love to hear stories. 
Jesus, when he was here, was the greatest master storyteller there is. Nobody could tell a story like Jesus. So if you look at this, when he makes a statement, all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are three score and ten plus three. And what it said? Uh, well, it should have. This does not mean you are automatically guaranteed to live 70 years. It's a general principle in the Word of God. It's a good average. And if God gave you 70 years, wouldn't that be wonderful? But what if He lets you live to be 80 years? Well, then He says there that if by reason of strength, because you're able, your body, you can go, and reason of strength, there'd be four score years. That's 80 years. Yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow, and it is soon cut off. You're not going to last too much longer. Isn't it amazing that was done, you know, almost 3,000 years ago, and here it is today, and it's still pretty close, ain't it? Still pretty close. And that, but before the flood, to that perfect environment, people lived for a long time. How would you like to live eight, nine hundred years? You know, if you were in good health, that would be great. But would you like to be in bad health and live? I only got 500 years ago with this cough. <laughs> I broke my leg and it didn't heal right. And I got to walk around with a, a bum leg for, you know, 600 more years. Boy, that would be torture. But I'm glad God is so gracious, and he doesn't let us stay like this that long. And so he says, we are soon cut off. The Bible says in the book of Daniel, in chapter 9, where it says about the Messiah, that when he comes, he will be cut off. We will be cut off. This is when Jesus came and he says, the axe is laid to the root of the tree means every tree is going to be cut down. Everybody's going to die. So the most important thing is where are you going to spend eternity? So all of life is just getting ready to meet God, preparing for eternity. And what we have when we get to heaven is a result of what we did for the Lord in those little short years that God gave us to live. And it's just loaded with problems, which means it's just loaded with opportunities. So God is going to give us a lot of opportunities to earn some rewards. And he gives rewards. That's why we used to tell the kids, you know, uh, you know, go to camp. We'll have some, we'll give a present to uh, whoever can win the Bible drill. And then we'll give some to somebody who can never, uh, you know, answer the questions of uh, the previous meetings or something. And sometimes we're going to have a race and we give a prize. Or we, whoever wins the, uh, the volleyball contest or whoever does this and they get to go to the line first. We're always trying to figure out a way to motivate people. Well, God has a lot of things in your life and he will use trials. Remember, trials are opportunities. Don't curse the trials or the testings or all the hard times you have. Don't begrudge those times. They just reveal to you that, hey, God's fixing to bless you with an opportunity so you can be found faithful. A problem is just something that needs to be solved. And you and God can solve anything. You and God 
Between the two of you, you know everything there is to know. Between you and God, y'all can do anything. As long as it's you and God. So whatever you can't do, he can. As long as you understand that. But without him, how much can you do? Nothing. Where does it say in the Bible? For I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Philippians 4, 13. Is that where it is? All right. Can you see that? He's all right. All right, look down in verse 14. Verse 14, O satisfy us early with thy mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. All our days. Does God want you to be glad all of your days? That's what he says. But there's things that's going to happen. But the only reason you can be glad is if you understand the purpose of why God does what he does and the way that he does it. So if you can understand the ways of God, the word of God, it can greatly help you as you walk with the Lord. Look up here. This is still, I believe, the most important thing in all the world. And sometimes you wonder whether or not anybody ever learns it. That little daughter of mine, she's the sharpest little daughter anybody ever had. You know that girl, I mean, she, now she's strong. She is strong. She's too strong. She'll come up behind me and totally put her on her and totally pick me clean off the ground. I said, Trina, put me down. And she'll just hold me up off the ground. Trina, put me down. And she got my arms tied down like I said, I can't move. She loves it. I know, but she does. Being able to throw her daddy around like that, you know. But, you know, you watch them when they're little kids and you watch them grow up. And you never know if what you taught is going to stick with them. You pray that it does. But you can't live, you can't live their life for them. You have to let, let them go and let God teach and train them. We can't always walk through life holding everybody's hand. I, I can't do that with yours. I'm only one guy. Whose hand would I hold? <laughs> I only got one down here, and that's why I'm going to hold her hand. And so you learn how to walk with the Lord and just let the Lord hold your hand. He says, I will uphold you. In no time will he let you go. He'll never cast you out and never lose you. You're in God's hand. Believe it. This is you and me. This hand represents you and me. And the wallet represents all the things that we've done that's wrong. God calls it sin. We may call it a mistake, but God calls it sin. We may not think it's that bad, but just one smallest sin you've ever done. The whitest sin you've ever committed won't let you go into heaven. That's how bad it is. The lightest sin, the littlest sin, the whitest sin is so bad God won't let you in. So God says he loves us, but he hates what we do wrong. And because we committed the sin, we have to pay for it. And that's eternal separation from God in hell. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. We've all come short. We're all sinners. And the Bible says you cannot save yourself. You cannot earn your way to heaven by your good deeds. See, going to church and things like that and giving money, that's, that's good. But see, if you try to save yourself because of those things, then God says you're trying to earn it, and you can't have it. Not of works means not of works. Not of works. 
It means that's off the table. It means you can't do that. That's one thing you can't do is you cannot earn it. Heaven is not a reward for people who did good. This end represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us. He hates our sin because our sin separates us from the Lord. So the Bible says Christ took the sin of all the world, paid for it on the cross, and came back from the dead. And God says that if you and I, if we would believe he did that for us, he would put that payment to our account. He would save us from hell. So I don't have to go there. All my sins have been paid. But I haven't accepted the payment he made for me. God says if I would believe he did it for me, he would give me as a free gift everlasting life. And I would go to heaven on what Christ did for me. And says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you're here tonight and maybe you've never trusted the Lord. Would you just honestly just talk to the Lord right now and say, Lord, I don't understand it all. I got questions. I got doubts. Friend, everybody does. Maybe there's a lot of things you don't know, don't understand. But you know this. You know you're, you know you're a sinner. You know you're not perfect. And you know that you're going to die. Would you take God at his word and believe that if you die, you're going to hell? And you don't want to go there. So the best thing to do, the only thing you can do is to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Would you believe that when he died, he did it for you? God said, if you'll believe that, he'll save you, give you eternal life, and you get to go to heaven on what Christ did for you. And I pray that you will. I've done so. I did that a few years ago. So if you're here tonight and you say, preacher, that made sense to me, or if you're watching by internet, would you trust Christ as your Savior? And if you will, I'd like to know, and I'd like to ask you just to slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down. Is there anyone at all? You know, at all. Our Father, we thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you for the opportunity you've given us to come together in fellowship with one another, to share these thoughts. And Father, sometimes we just need to be reminded of things that we should have learned so that we could teach your word. Bless each one here and help each one. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.